If you've ever driven to a circus, you'll see the elephants standing out on the parking lot, right? The elephants will be out on the parking lot, these huge, powerful beasts. But they don't go anywhere. They don't run, they don't move. You know why? Because they got a chain around one of their legs. A little teeny chain with a little teeny peg in the ground that these beasts could rip out any old time they feel like it. Because they got the power. They got the power. All they got to do is jerk that leg and that little peg would come out of that and rip that concrete and tear that chain, but they don't budge. You know why? Because they were taught ever since they were a little baby elephant that when you feel this chain, you have no power. From the time they were born, when you feel this chain on your leg, that means you are nothing, you are nobody, and you don't move. Because you're not here to demonstrate your power, you're here to perform. And we got a lot of Christians who aren't here to demonstrate their power, they're here to perform. And so you come to church on Sunday and you perform, but you don't have any power. You come, you drag in church with this chain on your leg. This chain on your leg, talking about, I'm coming to worship God, and I'm coming, and he's able with this chain on your leg, and he's so high you can't get over with this chain on your leg, and, and he's so wide you can't get around, and you got this chain on your leg performing for the circus and the hell is laughing at you eating its cotton candy with that chain on your leg it's time for you to say in the name of jesus christ get off of me let me go get that chain off of me i'm free and he who the son sets free is free indeed you're free walk like it act like it are you free are you free are you free? Did Jesus make you free? Then walk like it, talk like it, act like it, hold your head up high and be free. He set you free. He set you free. Good morning, Heart Church. Hey, uh, my name is Shane, and uh, we're coming to you live stream right here for our 1030 service. And um, this is uh, kind of going to be the way that it goes for um, the, the foreseeable future until the church kind of gets fully open. So uh, really quickly, before we get into the message, I want to just say welcome. If you're visiting for the first time online, uh, we're really glad you joined us. Maybe you're viewing this, you know, uh, tomorrow or the next day. Uh, either way, we're just praying that God meets you right where you are and really speaks to your heart. And um, I wanted to let you know that as a church, Heart Church here in Escondido, we've decided as of this morning to start meeting during an outdoor service. So we're gath fully gathering and we're actually doing it at 9 a.m. here in our parking lot. It's 215 South Hickory Street, 215 South Hickory Street. And uh, we have tents, people are wearing masks, we have uh, coffee and, and, and water, and uh, it's just a, a great experience, really authentic family. We're not able to, to film it, and so that's why I'm coming to you right now. This is live. It's not pre-recorded. I literally walked across the parking lot so that I could be here with you, because if you're not comfortable yet coming out, then uh, we want to make sure that we're still providing uh, a, this, this week's sermon for you. We're studying the book of John. Maybe you're, you're viewing in another state or another country. Again, uh, we're just really glad that you're here. And so I'm going to dive right in. 
and let you know we've been in a series of the book of John. We landed in John 5. And John 5 is an interesting scripture where Jesus comes through the sheep gate. Last week we talked about the significance of the sheep gate. Uh, and then uh, Jesus lands himself at this place called Bethesda, which is a place of pools. And um, next to these pools are lame people and they're blind and a lot of different needs. And Jesus comes to this one particular man and has this conversation. This conversation reveals something really interesting. And we decided to take three weeks to dig into it, sort of have a mini-series. And this mini-series is entitled, You're Too Powerful to Live Powerless. You are too powerful to live a powerless life. And so we see Jesus coming to this man. And this man has obvious needs. He's been sick for 38 years. He's laying on a mat. He can't get up. He can't walk. He can't do normal things for 38 years. And so Jesus comes to him and asks him some questions that reveal why Jesus really came. See, we all have needs in our life. And most of the time, our list of uh, prayer requests is, you know, hey, if you could help me on this financial thing and then this relationship and this mountain that, you know, you know I need to be you know, moved out of the way. And Jesus cares about all those little things. But what he cares about more is on the inside, he wants us to walk free. He wants us to walk victorious. And so he comes to this man who is clearly in need physically. And Jesus comes to heal him physically. But before he does, he asks him a series of questions that reveals something specific about this man and the way that he is paralyzed on the inside. Because Jesus says, hey, do you want to be made well? And this guy, instead of like saying clearly yes to the man who's been healing people. See, Jesus was widespreadly known in Galilee and Jerusalem for the guy that's healing people. Uh, whether you believe he's the Messiah or not, he was healing people. The Pharisees are there to catch him in the act. So they all knew. So the likelihood is that this man knew who Jesus was. And Jesus comes and says, hey, do you want to be made well? And the guy doesn't say yes. And that right there is sort of the, the tipping point for like, okay, there's something else going on with this man. He's powerless. He's paralyzed. He's stuck. And so we, um, we talked about how the enemy comes to steal. Before he comes to destroy, he comes to steal. See, the enemy wants to destroy your destiny. He wants to steal your purpose. He can't kill you, so he wants to, he wants to destroy your life. But before he does that, he wants to steal from you things that Jesus has already paid for. And so he does this in the way of making you powerless. And last week we kind of introduced that um, illustration, which you saw in the video, which is that elephant. And the story goes that if you're in the circus and you, you're training an elephant, you start when they're a baby and you put a chain around their leg and a stake in the ground. And it's the, 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 the baby elephant isn't powerful enough to move to pull that stake out of the ground and break that chain. And so when the elephant's little, it learns that when the chain is on my leg, I'm powerless. When that chain, when I feel that chain around my leg, then I have to stay put. I, I don't have enough power. And so literally the, the elephant grows and grows and becomes a full grown elephant in the circus. And in order for, for, the, for the elephants to not run off or trample people, they put the same chain around that elephant and they put that same stake in the ground that has no ability to keep that elephant from moving, from, from, from tearing that thing out and running. And yet it's been trained that when I feel the chain, I am powerless. And I think that that's where this man 
was stuck. See, he, he had been lied to by the enemy that he is powerless. He doesn't have any power. In fact, this is the way it's going to be. I've been this way for 38 years and this is just my plot in life. Even when somebody's coming and offering a way out, you don't see the way out. You feel stuck. You feel paralyzed. And this is the way that the enemy works. And so we talked about three different specific chains that, that the enemy uses. One of them is a chain of shame. And that's connected to our identity, who we really are. Second chain that we talked about is the chain of fear. And that's connected to our circumstances. And I'll tell you, in the world that we live in right now, that's the big one. That, that uh, the, the chaos and the uncertainty of everything going on, people are bound by fear and anxiety. And I'll tell you what, fear is a calling card of the enemy. Anytime there's fear involved, the, the enemy is right there in the middle of it. He doesn't want you to be bound by fear. He doesn't want it to paralyze you. And lastly, we talked about the enemy using the chain of offense, and that's connected to our relationships. And oh my gosh, again, today's day and age, that's a big one. If you're not offended by something today, then, then you're the minority. And that's just the, the way the enemy comes to divide, and he uses that as a chain on your leg to feel stuck in your relationships. And God doesn't want you to be stuck. He wants you to live powerful. Why? Because you're too powerful to live powerless, to live paralyzed. And so um, the staple verse for us was Galatians chapter five. And it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of bondage. And so I want to dive into this first one, which is shame connected to identity. I want to spend the most amount of our time connecting ourselves with identity, but I want to start just by basically saying simply about shame, that shame is really powerful and elusive. And we see it in the garden when, when Adam and Eve were perfect. They had this beautiful relationship with God. The Bible says that they were physically naked and unashamed. That's what Moses, the writer of Genesis, articulates at the end of Genesis chapter 2. This is the way he portrays the garden is they are so unashamed that they're physically naked. Shame has no place in the garden. And then fast forward the tape to Jesus on um, getting ready to go to the cross. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus went to the cross despising the shame, but willing to endure. That he literally, Jesus himself, despised the shame that's connected to the cross. Now, what's the, the big deal about shame? Shame's connected to our identity. See, regret, we all have regrets in our life about things we do. And as Christians, we can understand and wrap our mind around the fact that Jesus on the cross paid for our sin. So he paid for the wrong that we did. And so therefore, we in our mind and in our heart can agree that the wrong we did has been covered, for, covered by the blood of Jesus. The problem is, I'm still a sinner, I did those things and I regret those things. But shame says I am unworthy of love and acceptance because of who I am. What I did produced a bad person. I didn't just do bad things. I am a bad person. And so the, 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 the good news covers both. The cross covers our sin and the grave, the resurrection, the new life covers our 
sinful person becoming brand new. This is what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter three when he said, you actually have to be born again. Why? Because it's not just about something you did. You will carry the shame and weight of that shame from, for your identity if you don't experience new life. This is a journey. And the truth is the enemy comes and he cripples us in different areas of our life. In the same way that he did the children of Israel, they, they were rescued out of, the, out of Egypt in a day. How many years did they wander the desert? 40. Why? Because in their mind, they were still bound. In their mind, they were still slaves. It's who they were. We are slaves. And so I can't think like a free person. I can't think like a victorious person. I can't think like a powerful person because I am actually still stuck at the pool. I've been here 38 years. It's who I am. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about our identity. There's two ways to deal with shame. And the first way is what we talked about, new identity, becoming brand new. And therefore, shame is not relevant because you're not that person anymore. Not only does the sin get to take care of, but you're not that person anymore. You're somebody new. But the second way, and this is where I think that the enemy comes and he wants to sell an alternate narrative to the church. We're not talking about people that don't know Christ, but people who, who understand the saving grace of Jesus and have accepted him, the church, the enemy wants to sell us a bill of goods that, um, that, that in the end will end up in bondage as it relates to our identity. And the second way you can deal with shame is tolerance and acceptance. This is a big buzzword right now. Tolerance and acceptance. Accept me for the way that I am living my best life now. And this is, um, this is the, the bill of goods that believers are being sold. That you are beautiful just the way you are. See, when I feel ashamed, I remind myself, I'm beautiful. I'm wonderful. Accept me just as I am. I'm like, a, I'm like a butterfly in a cocoon. Just come out of the cocoon and be beautiful and be wonderful. And this sounds so awesome. It sounds like love. In fact, we can use scripture to, to uh, support this idea that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are God's masterpiece created in God. And we can say, you know what? I am beautiful. I am wonderful. And so the way I'm going to deal with my shame, the way I'm going to deal with the, the way I feel about myself is I'm just going to start feeling awesome about myself. And I'm going to promote myself. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demand that everybody just accept me exactly the way I am because this is how I was created and aren't I wonderful? And this can sound really biblical. And in fact, if you say anything different nowadays, you can be, be perceived as like an intolerant hater. And I want to take us back to scripture because the problem with that whole line of thinking is that on your own, outside of Jesus, you are not beautiful. I'm not beautiful. I'm not wonderful. I'm not perfect. I'm not whole. Gosh, this sounds like a bummer. Stay with me. Stay with me because there is good news. But before we get to the good news, we have to be honest about the bad news. The, the, the good news isn't that, that Jesus came to make bad people good. 
The good news is that Jesus came to make dead people alive. And we're going to see that in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And this is going to kind of be our text for the day. And it says this in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The result of sin was that you are utterly, completely, spiritually dead. And there's a problem because dead people got issues. You and I were completely spiritually dead. And here's Here's the good news, continuing on in in, in Ephesians chapter two, verse four. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. See, this is the good news. Not that I'm so good, but that he's so good. Like he's the great initiator and he came and he found me when I was dead, when I was wayward, when I was blind. And he, he found me, he pursued me. This is the good news. But God, when we were lost, when we were making bad choices, when we were wayward, like the prodigal, making all kinds of bad choices, and the father found him, the 99, but the one was lost, the lost sheep, and the, the, the shepherd came after him. Jesus came after us and found us, not because we are so good, but he is so good. This is the good news. Our message is simple. I was dead and now I'm alive. I was blind and now I see I was broken. And now I am made whole. I have uh, friends of mine that, that, that tell me often, like, I don't have a very good testimony, you know. And they talk to me as a preacher and, you know, oh, you tell such good stories. But like, man, I, I don't have a really good testimony. I don't have a big story. You know, like I, I was never, you know, in a gang or, you know, wayward. I never did drugs. And so, you know, you know like I don't really have much of a testimony to tell people about God. And it's interesting because I have a buddy of mine and he was actually sick on death's doorstep with COVID. In fact, I called into the hospital. Many, many, many of you may know him, Alex um, Gomez. He has an incredible testimony of actually being raised to life. Like he was, he was at Palomar Hospital or Palmerado Hospital, sorry. And we called in as an end of life preparation because he was unconscious for three weeks on a ventilator and literally almost died. And so now he's like almost 100%, God miraculously healed him. And I'll tell you what, he's got an amazing story. And he's going to be telling that story at every holiday, at every Thanksgiving. And, and I'm going to be telling that story for him because it's such a good story. Listen, if you actually were raised from the dead, like literally you were flatlined and you got raised from the dead, I'll tell you what, you would never stop telling that story. And it's interesting because when we say we don't have a testimony about the goodness of God, we forget that we were actually dead in the grave and Jesus came and he saved us and he raised us up to life and now we are brand new. This is your story. This is my story. 
The answer to the world's identity crisis is not tolerance and acceptance. It's crucifixion. The answer is not, I just need to love myself more. I'm just so wonderful and beautiful. The answer is, he is wonderful. And he is beautiful. And he saved a wretch like me. And so this idea that like we Our desire every day is that we become more like Jesus, not the best version of ourselves. And if we do, if we fall into the trap of tolerance and wholeness, then we get stuck in this place where we're almost uh, uh, um, uh, fulfilling the end time prophecy that says that men will be lovers of themselves. It's it's self exaltation that says I'm wonderful, I'm beautiful, and everybody has to accept me who I. And I'll tell you what, I have found the source of my power. We started this whole conversation talking about that man that, that was powerless. And, and if you're honest, I think you and I, we both can fall into a place where, where we feel paralyzed, where we feel crippled, where we feel not enough, not powerful, not, not overcomers, not walking victorious. And At the end of the day, as it relates to our identity, our power is found not in convincing ourselves that we're good, but going low, getting on our knees every day and saying, Jesus, I want to be more like you because you are wonderful. You are the one that is good. In 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 3, verse 18, it's this beautiful passage about how transformation takes place. And it says, we all with unveiled faces, the translation literally means transparent hearts. We all with transparent hearts behold as in a mirror, the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory to glory. In other words, our transformation takes place when we behold him, not ourselves, not how good we are, but he is so good. And so God, I want to be more like you every day. I want to be less like my old self, like my old way. I'm wretched. By myself, I'm not beautiful. In Jesus, I'm beautiful. So I want to put away the lust of the flesh. I want to put away the old man. And every day, I want to be less like Shane and more like Jesus. And I do that by beholding him, beholding his goodness and saying, God, I need you. I need you every day. It's something I think that We've kind of gotten lost saying. It's a lost art to say, Jesus, I need you. I I don't have enough. By myself, I am not powerful. By myself, I am not good. But Jesus, I am hidden with Christ in God. A couple of scriptures that I wrote down is, my life is hidden with Christ in God. Galatians says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I am up on that cross. I put myself up on that cross. I crucify myself daily. Paul says, I die daily that the life of Christ might live in me. This is the answer to shame. This is the answer to feeling the weight of our sinfulness is saying, no, that's not who I am because Jesus is shining through me. And so may, may this flesh burn away more and more every day. May I become more kind and more compassionate and look like Jesus and emulate Jesus. The person that I reflect, I don't want to reflect my best life. I want to reflect the goodness and grace of Jesus. And I point myself to him 
See, we're like the moon, not the sun. The moon has no light by itself. And it's funny, I learned that when I was like elementary school and it kind of blew my mind because like the moon is super bright. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it literally doesn't have any light by itself. But it's simply a reflection. As we, as we turn our gaze and our heart to the one true light, then we are a city on a hill, the light of the world, because his light is shining through us. It's his goodness and his glory that becomes my identity. And that is the source of my power. I want to read a scripture as we close this morning out of 2 Corinthians. It's a familiar scripture to, mo- to many of us. But in this context, it's so powerful. And this, is, this was Paul's declaration in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. You're too powerful to live powerless. But it's not your power. It's not your goodness. It's his. And then he goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Come on church, let's every day get up on our knees and say, Jesus, I choose to lay aside my will my desires, my old man. That is who I used to be. It's not who I am anymore because I am a new creation in Christ. And so Jesus, would your spirit empower me to be more like you and less like me? You are beautiful. You are wonderful. And may you be given all the glory through this life. And when you live like that, that chain that the enemy tries to mess with you with and keeps you bound, it bursts into pieces and you walk victorious. It's not a shallow uh, victory. It's not a shower, shallow power. It's true power because it comes from the source. When we try to find power within ourselves, man, maybe you can keep that up for a little while. Maybe you can keep those habits going and you can exercise and you can get in the word and you can do all those good things. But at the end of the day, you'll get tired and the power won't be there. But when you tap into the source, Jesus, then you tap into a well that never runs dry and the enemy is defeated. Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you that in this moment, you're speaking to people right now that maybe have been struggling in their own life with places where the enemy has stolen some of their power and planted a lie that they are not enough, that they are not worthy. And Father, I thank you that through the power of the Holy Spirit right now through this camera on Facebook Live, you are communicating something very different. You're communicating the goodness of God that you initiated. You came after us and paid the price so that we can be raised to life in newness in wholeness, and that our goodness, our power comes from you, Jesus, and we get to walk every day, less of us and more of you. If you're watching right now and you have your head bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity 
just right here on this Facebook Live if you've never said yes to Jesus. And maybe you've heard this talk and you're like, man, that, that sounds kind of crazy. I've, maybe you've been church your whole life and you just sort of accepted that like God is good and maybe he came to earth, but never understood that, that there was a rebirth that needed to take place, that you were accepting Jesus to come into your life to literally be, uh, make you spiritually alive. This is your moment. And I wanna, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to say this prayer. If you wanna say yes to Jesus and you wanna become spiritually alive, this could be your spiritual birthday on this moment. If, we, if, if that's you, will you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Come into my heart. Make me new and I will live for you from this moment on. I declare in this moment, Jesus is Lord. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you became born again. You are a brand new person. God bless you. Uh, please stay tuned in to our Facebook Live. And I wanna let you know also that we would love to invite you to come out at any point on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. here at our building. Like I said, it's a great outdoor experience. Um, 215 South Hickory Street is the address. But if you're not comfortable doing that or maybe you don't live in Escondido, keep tuning in at 1030. Uh, and we'd love to continue to bring you the message here on Facebook Live. God bless you. Have an awesome day.